I have, I have spoken a number of times, and I had this particular thing that I wanted to talk about, and I had it on my computer, and I couldn't, I sent it to my work, because our printer at home wasn't working, and it didn't print off, so I, at one o'clock last night, I was trying to get it, um, the little flash drive in, and for some reason, it wasn't working, so I went ahead and went to bed with this on my mind, okay, I'll either email it to the church, or Bob can get up and help me, and I'll email it to his laptop, and go through all the wonderful technical things that we have to do, so that I could print it off for all of you and to print off what I was going to share. Well, I went to bed, and I slept and dreamt. I have strange dreams anyway. And I dreamed about this, and I had in my mind a, a paper with chicken nuggets on it. I don't know why. I like Chick-fil-A's chicken nuggets. Maybe that was why. But they were lined up appropriately, and I was going to run that off in my dream and bring it for you all. So I woke up this morning kind of laughing. It's one of my weird dreams. And when I told Bob about it, he says, where do you get this stuff? Because I'm always having strange dreams. And he, li- he likes to hear about them. And we laugh about them. And so when I told him that, he said, well, just tell the ladies that they're nuggets of wisdom. So that's what he told me to share this morning. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty good. I have some scripture, and I've asked different people if they will quickly read them. They're very short. Christy? Thank you, Bonnie. Carmen Thank you. These are scriptures that have meant a great deal to me in my life and have helped mold me. And I refer back to these scriptures many times. And if you look at these scriptures, it requires action on our part first. It requires that we do something, that we act. And as we act, we learn to act in obedience. And is why God gives us these scriptures for us to do these things is so that we learn the desires of his heart, that they become the desires of our heart, and that we learn then how to implement them into our life and to live our life. And they all, as I said, require action. The first verse tells us to trust, to, um, we have to, let's see here, we have to love, we have to seek, we have to trust, we have to abide, and we have to do all these things in the Lord. And then when we, his desire for us is to have his desires. And so when we ask for these things, then we realize maybe it changes our mindset. And we're not asking for things for us, but we're asking for things 
that God desires for us. There's a big difference when we learn that. So, I was raised in a home. I'm going to just briefly give you a tiny bit background because this tells you where I am today. I was raised in a home. I'm, I'm one of six kids. My mother became a Christian the first year my parents were married. She went on to become a very godly woman, led a lot of people, including our family members, to the Lord. She was a mother to all the children, the youth group, and our home was the, the place where all the kids wanted to go, even though it was a tiny three-bedroom home. My father was not a believer, and I grew up in what I call a split home. He didn't become a Christian until after her death, after they'd been married 50 years. He came to the Lord, but they're together now. So they are, and it, it was a, a miracle in how it all happened. But in that time, watching my mother, um, Billy Graham Crusade came to Indianapolis. I was five years old. My mom was a counselor for the, and I was the only one of our kids that went that night because the rest of them were homesick with the measles. So I got to go. And I remember when they had the altar call, taking my mom by the hand and saying, I want to go. So we walked down the stairs at the Indiana State Fair Grandstands, went down to the staging area, and it had been raining, and there was a man there in a suit and a tie with thick glasses and his Bible, and I was one of the first ones to go down, and he was the one that approached me to lead me to the Lord. I today remember that feeling. I remember the change it made in my heart and how God's presence was so very real to me. When I was six years old, my mom and I were washing dishes back in the day before dishwashers, and we were the dishwashers, and I was standing on a stool drying, and mom was washing, and I was telling her, mom, when I grow up, I'm going to live next door. How many of you have said that, or your kids have said that to you? I'm going to live next door, but mom, I'm going to marry someone who loves Jesus and who will go to church with me. Very lovingly, my mom put her arms, her hands on my arms, and she turned me towards her. And she said, Diane, don't you ever forget this. You remember that. You always remember that you're going to marry someone who loves Jesus. And I did. That never left me. And all through my years, I always knew the man I married would love the Lord and he would serve him with his whole heart. At age 11, our church had a, a revival and I went forward and I felt God call me into full-time ministry. Age 11, if you have children out here or grandchildren, take it seriously when they tell you things that God has done for them or scripture that you're teaching them. Don't disregard what a child says or the feelings they have. They're real. And I know God called me at that time into full-time ministry. I went on and had a wonderful church experience. Great. We were in an incredible church with a wonderful youth ministry and taught us a lot of great things. Had a, and when I was in junior high, we had a mission convention, and I felt very, very strongly that my mission in life, and I had such a longing and to share with others about Jesus. And I think it was because I had a lot of family members, especially on my dad's side, who did not know the Lord, and some of them had died, and I knew they didn't know the Lord. That's a very haunting feeling for someone, and many of you probably felt that same thing. When you know someone has died, and you know they're not going to be in heaven, 
or you believe you by their life, that's what you believe. And I felt this urging. And Betty Ellen Cox, I'll never forget, she was a missionary to Burundi, Africa. And she stood up there, and a little bitty lady, and she said, if you have been called to be a missionary, don't stoop to be a king. Is that not powerful? Those words I have used, I've taught just on that. I taught a whole hour session on just that phrase. Because whatever God's called you to do is what you're supposed to do. Whether it's a missionary, whether it's a teacher, whatever God's called you to do. A doctor, that's your calling and that's the best thing. Don't ever stoop to be something else. And I've never forgotten that because there have been phases and periods in my life when we were in full-time ministry, Bob was a minister of youth and music. We sang, we traveled, we worked with Bill Gaither and Ron Huff and lots of these Nashville people. We, we recorded in Nashville and, and had all these wonderful ministries. And then we went through a phase of time when we began to have our family and we decided to stay off the road, which I loved traveling and singing. It was awesome. But to raise our family and to be involved in a church ministry where we could get into the lives of the people. And that was Bob's calling. He said, Diane, we need to get in there and get into the lives of people. So that's what we did. And we we not gave up all that music and and ministry, but we God continued then to build us. And God called Bob came home one day and he said, You're not gonna believe this, but I'm really feeling God calling me to go into the business world. Bob, where'd this come from? Your major is music. You have a voice and choral directing master's degree. And I'm certainly not a business person. What are you thinking? But God had different ideas. We moved, long story, and I won't go into all the details, but Bob's business began to thrive. We moved to the Dallas area. One thing happened after another that he, it just launched his career. And But God did a great thing. He put us in a church at the time where we were on the praise and worship team. So we did get to be a part of that and and lead praise and worship seminars and all kind of fun things like that. But God was calling us in, into the business industry. Bob would come home every day and tell me, Diane, I prayed with someone in my office today. I led my processor to the Lord today. Left and right, he was telling me there was a, a man who had an alcoholic problem that Bob helped him through. And he the man ended up being restored. And I... And then God was showing me to be more and more involved in our schools and in our community. And that led to where I am today. About 15 years ago, and it, I know that seems like a long time ago then today, our, one of our daughters, our girls were starting to go to college, and it was time for me to help pay, help go back to work and pay for that. And so I had a friend who worked at Prestonwood Baptist, And he said, Diane, Jack Graham needs an assistant. I think you would be perfect. And then another friend said, Ed Young's ministry team is needing someone that works regularly with Ed Young. You need to go to apply. Happened to me in the same week. Then we had another friend who said, Diane, you need to come and work for American Airlines so you can get flight benefits because our families were all out of state and we were constantly traveling to try and see family and grandparents. And we had aging grandparents, so we thought, okay, that might be a neat opportunity. So I applied for both the church positions. They both offered me a job. 
it was amazing. But the day that Jack Graham called and said, Diane, I'd like you to come work for me, American Airlines called me and said, we'd like you to come in for an interview. I said, okay, I'm going to keep all possibilities open. So I did. I went in. They hired me on the spot. And I was like, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? So the reason I didn't take the church jobs was because both of them told me that we had to join their church if I was going to be on staff. And our girls were involved in the youth ministry here. Kristen was a senior and Lisa was a freshman. We talked to the girls about it. Neither one of them wanted to leave. We didn't want to have a split family going to different locations. So I decided, okay, God gave us another option. Lord, show me what you want me to do at American Airlines. How can I minister there? Because I feel called into full-time ministry. And here's where I just want to say, whatever you're doing as a believer, you are in full-time ministry. And God will honor that when you walk in obedience to him. And Bob's sister, who was married to a pastor, and he's now a retired pastor, had a little plaque that I just loved, and it said, Bloom where you are planted. And it's not a scripture, but it says a lot, doesn't it? Bloom where you're planted. And I thought, okay, Lord, I'm going to bloom. I'm not sure what kind of flower it's going to be. It could be a dandelion, but I'm going to bloom. And so I went into this position, and the next thing I know, one of the other ladies approaches me and says, how would you like to work a job share? What's that mean? Well, you work two to three days a week, and I work the other two, three days. We swap, and we still get full benefits because it's considered one position. Well, what better deal is that? I was still getting full pay, full flight benefits and full insurance, and I could still run my wedding business that I'd done for years, which I'm not doing anymore, by the way, and done many of your kids' weddings. (laughs) But um, as I went into that job, I really began to feel there were other Christians. We'd pray together. We'd talk. We became known as the praying people. If you had a problem or something, come and, and these ladies will pray for you. And so that grew, and over 10 years, my job share partner retired, and my boss said, I really need for you to come full-time. Would you please do that? Little did I know why the rifts were coming. American Airlines was going to start laying people off. So I agreed to do it. I said, I'll give you one year. That was five years ago. <laughs> and here's how God works. Through the years, as I have worked there, there have been so many people, and I'm in the kind of job everybody in my department, has. I have to work with. There are different teams, but I work with everybody. So I'm kind of that position, not just me, but that position's kind of the glue of everything. And it gave me an opportunity to really share and talk to people. And I'll tell you, folks, when you work for an airline industry, there are people from all over the world, all different cultures, and all walks of life. And you know what? They don't think they need God because they're career-minded, they're in the business world. They've got everything they want. Why do they need God? But I began to realize, get in the lives of the people. And God brought me a very good friend who was, he's gay. And we became fast friends. He was raised in the church. And we would have great conversations. And I would talk to him. He asked me one day, he said, how do you feel about my lifestyle? So I began to share with him. I said, let's look, what does Scripture say, Ed? You know what the Scripture says. 
So we talked about it. And through our course of our conversations, he said to me, no one in my life has ever cared enough about me to share what you've shared. It hit me between the eyes. Where have I been? I've known this guy. Why have I not shared with him before? And I began to share as I continued to build these relationships and share with people. There's another young man that came in, and he was also in a gay lifestyle. And he would come by, and he's hilarious, and I laugh at everything. And so he would come by just for me to laugh at his jokes. I always told him he he missed his calling. He should have been a stand-up comedian. And one day he came, and I could tell something was bothering him. And I said, what's, what's with you today? What's, what's going on? As we be, he began to share with me, he told me his story. His father beat his mother. They were Catholic. His mother took it for years, went to the Catholic priest, and the priest said, you just have to put up with it. So what does that do to this little boy already? Because of that, his mother ended up leaving the father, and the church kicked her out with her children. And not only that, but then he said, Diane, I was an altar boy. That priest abused me for years. My heart sank for him. And I said, RJ, do you realize what Jesus can do for you? He can heal you from that. He can take that from you. And we're in the American Airlines headquarters building. And I said, can we go in the conference room? Would you like to go in there and let's talk about this? So we did. And through the course of time, he told me not long ago, he said, Diane, I want you to know something. No one has ever told me that Jesus could heal me. No one. And so we've had these conversations, and he's now, he says, now I'm looking for a church closer to his side of town, which is way over North Richland Hills. And so he is looking and visiting churches right now, and hopefully will get his life completely turned around. There are so many others that I could tell you about. There's one girl in particular that God really put me on, the, on a limb over, and this girl was born two, two weeks after she was born, she had a stroke and had a virus, which caused her to have the stroke. And her right side is, is disabled, but she's very smart. And she was one of our sales reps. And she, she had problems in relationships with men. She came in one day and told me she was dating this guy, and they were moving in together. So we talked about that and why, why did she want to do that. And we had a really great conversation about why she shouldn't do that. <laughs> But about a month later, she came back, and she was engaged. She was so proud of her ring. She needed to get it sized. Where could she get it sized? So we talked about that. Several weeks later, one of the guys came to me and said, Becca is slumped on the floor. She's sobbing. She's lost her ring. Diane, nobody can do anything with her. You need to come. I went over, picked her up, put her in my arms, and loved her. And at that moment, God said, tell her you're going to find the ring. And I was like, wait a minute. And I said, Becca, I love you, honey. I, I mean, I'm trying to console her. God impressed on me and said, Diane, tell her you're going to find the ring. Well, one of the other ladies came up at that time. She said, Diane, the cafeteria people are all out there looking. There's probably 20 people out there looking for her ring. All of us have been looking. We have looked everywhere, and we cannot find her ring. We got brooms. They were down under the cubes. Everybody was looking for this ring. And God said, Diane, 
tell her you're going to find the ring. She said, Becca, I'm going to pray with you. And she said, what? I'm agnostic. I don't believe in that. I said, but I do. We're going to find your ring. And I prayed with her, and I said, Lord, be with Becca right now and help us find that ring. Okay, where do we go? And I said, Becca, let's trace your steps. Let's go out into the cafeteria. And we, where she last saw it, she had shown it to someone. I said, let's start there. We went out there. We traipsed through. One of my other friends, who I call my friend that swears like a sailor, she, she's wonderful. I love her, but she needs the Lord. She came over and she said, I went out there and looked. I was out there, the, all the cafeteria. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? And I said, well, let's trace her steps. She had gotten, I said, what'd you get to eat? I got a hamburger. I said, okay, then where'd you go? Over where the condiments are. You know those little wire baskets that have the four little units that you put the bottles in? She said, I said, what did you do? She said, I lifted up that bottle and I put it on my, the stuff on my hamburger. And I pulled out and I said, Becca, is this your ring? It had gotten caught on the handle. God knew where that ring was all the time. And I can't tell you the wailing that went on from her, that she had found that ring. And my friend, Susan, was standing there exasperated. I can't believe you found that. I can't believe, I looked in there. I moved those bottles out. And I knew then God had created that situation and allowed that to happen so that Becca could see faith in God. She didn't believe in God. So through these years, we've had lots of conversations. She's now going to church at Vista Ridge at the Church of Christ up there with a friend. And she recently said to me, she's lost her job since then, but she recently said to me on Facebook, Diane, I think I found what you've been telling me about. So I really pray that, and I, we talk on Facebook that God has, that she's really asked the Lord into her life. And every once in a while when something doesn't go her way, I'll post on Facebook, remember the ring. And even people in our office will come up to me and say, would you pray about something, Diane? Remember the ring? And it's amazing what God does and how he does those things. And boy, I'm telling you, though, I have to admit, I was sweating it because I knew that it mattered that we found that ring. And there are many other situations like that where one of the women in my office, her husband was dying. He was in the and it was the same time our little granddaughter had had that stroke and people at work were watching how I was going to react to what happened to our little granddaughter. And I'll, by the way, God's healed her, folks. And that's another story for another day. Sarah and I are writing a book. <laughs> but it's real exciting to know God uses us. And I'm in full-time ministry at American Airlines. I am in full-time ministry at American Airlines. And then I just wanted to share... Now, all of you have sheets, and they have verses on them. They have some sayings. They're things for you just to take home and look at and talk about. But the last, I'll close with this. I read a statement by John Maxwell, and he says that the normal person will come in contact with approximately 10,000 people in their lifetime. If a believer would share their faith in word or deed, think of the impact we could have on the world. 
folks, we have a dying world. We have people that need Jesus in our workplace, our neighbors, everywhere we go, in the grocery store. Whatever situation you're in, where you live, work, your family, trust God for your circumstances. It may not be what you had planned or thought your life would be. I never dreamed I would be in the corporate world. I thought I would always be married to a pastor or in ministry in the church in some form or fashion. Never did I realize that I would be in the corporate world. Bloom where you are planted. Make your life count for the cause of Christ. Be a world changer one life at a time. But I have to tell you, one thing that did happen to me that I forgot I left out, and I don't pray the prayer of Jabez anymore, and you'll know why. (laughs) I really felt something changing in my life through the corporate world that I was going to eventually be able to retire from American, and God had something else for me. So I prayed the prayer of Jabez. Lord, widen my territory, and you know the rest of the, the prayer. And I'd been doing this for several months, praying, and I knew something big was changing. I knew God had something different for me to do. One day, my boss called me into her office, my new boss, and she said, Diane, we're getting ready to have more riffs, and I need to talk to you. And I thought, oh, good, they're going to offer me a package, and I can retire with full benefits. I can fly for the rest of my life. This is it, and I'll go work someplace else in, that we, I can make more money. And she said to me, and I, this is exactly what she said, We appreciate the job you're doing here. Therefore, we're going to give you more territory. And I just looked at her, and I started to laugh. And she said, you don't understand. You're going to get two more departments. Well, through the rifts, I had already been on a team of seven that, that were office administrators, went down to four, and I was the lone person. I was doing the job of four people. I had to completely restructure how we did everything. How could I take on two more divisions? How in the world was I going to do this? It was impossible. But God made it happen and how he did things. And I knew when she said to me what she said, because she didn't know I was praying the prayer of Jabez. She said it. She said the first phrase of the prayer of Jabez to me without even knowing it. But the first week I was in with my new duties and the new divisions were coming, I had three people come to me that needed prayer, that needed someone to talk to. One of them I got to lead to the Lord. Had I not taken that, I would have missed those opportunities. We're in full-time ministry wherever we are, guys. I don't know how long I'll be at American, but I do know this. Wherever I go, the Lord will order my steps. You know, many times we ask God to bless our plans and we wonder why they don't always go the way we think they should. Well, here's why. Instead of asking him to bless our plans, we should ask him what his plan is for us because it's already blessed. So let's make sure we seek after him. Lord, help us each to seek you and our purpose in our life. And if God can take the heart of a little six-year-old girl who longed for her daddy to go to church, who it was painful for me to see other families with the daddies at church. If God could take the heart of that little girl 
and turn it around to bring others to Christ because that's my calling to share Jesus with others. He can do anything for you. Lord, help each of us to seek your purpose for our lives. Cultivate in each of us a heart and attitude that is life-giving. Help us to pray the scripture into our lives that we will become more like you so that others will see you through the way we live. Lord, I pray blessings over each of these women. And the song that kept coming to me was Spirit of the Living God, Fall Fresh on Me. Spirit of the Living God, Fall Afresh on Me. Melt me, mold me, fill me, use me. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Thank you.